is the World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. I wanted to let you know that as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that you're welcome to attend wherever you are in the world. You can learn more about them and register for them via our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io. Hello and welcome to this episode of the World of Work podcast. This is the second in a two-part mini-series with John Maxwell, a good friend. We are in the room again today having another live podcast. How exciting. And in our first episode, we talked about the journey and process and development of becoming a chief executive and, and what's involved in that process and, and how to navigate that. Today, we're going to look at the other end of that journey and, and reflect on what it's like to transition away from being a chief executive or particularly senior individual in an organization and, and navigating that transition into what comes next. Before we get into that, though, John, can you just say hi and introduce yourself to the audience again? Will do, James. Hi, everybody. Nice to be back with James in the room. John Maxwell spent 25 years running global businesses, different places around the world, China, Germany, US. And I liked your, your euphemism for moving on, James. I think that's more, as, as CEOs will know, most CEOs exit because they get fired. So I would... I would like football managers, <laughs> right? Like, I, mean, I would fall into that bucket. So I've I've been, I guess, plowing my own furrow, doing my own thing since 2018. Right. Um, okay. So five years, coming up to five, five years. years. It's 2023 now. Brilliant. I've had a few conversations recently with people who are quite senior who are saying almost, I'm in this role, I'm successful in this role, but I'm ready for something else. I'm looking and I, I kind of feel it's time and I want to go before it's too late. I don't want to overstay. I want to do what feels right for me, but it feels like there's some difficulty in exploring and figuring out where to go. So hopefully we'll cover a little bit more of that. You said you've been plowing your furrow. Just before we we look at the transition piece a little bit more, what, what is it specifically that you're focused on? I left, when I left 2018, I had a couple of things that I wanted to do. So I'd always been attracted by tech. So I thought an area there that I felt was underrepresented was this really in the travel tech space. So with a partner, we founded a small business called Hidden Tracks, which was focused on audio walking tours in big cities with kind of the aspiration of connecting local creators to the tourists. So people are piling into these cities. There's all these people that already live in these cities, have great stories and and great access to what the cities are about. And we wanted to create a platform to connect those two. And I had really been passionate about the people side of leadership as a CEO. Um, I'd had some great coaches um, in the last 10 years, my roles. Um, And I thought, I'll go get qualified as a coach. Maybe I can stay connected with the business world in that way. And uh, I like working with with people, especially people that are coming up in their careers. That was the the second string, if you like. Yeah, that's a nice combination. And that desire to stay involved in creating something in the business space, if you've been in, in business, is, is uh, I think, pretty common. I guess if we think about, I mean, your instance, you said you were somewhat pushed. I'll use the word pushed a little bit. I think you actually said fired. I, I don't know exactly, but maybe there was a... Agreed to move on. A, agreed, agreed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Decided to spend more time with a family. Sometimes. Everyone has a boss. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's just time to go. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, But the sense I've got from speaking to you a little bit is that perhaps there were sort of signs or signals at that point or even before that point that maybe it was time to think about moving on with a new chapter of life, to use another euphemism that's out there. 
What kind of signs or feelings or, or signals did you notice that were occurring in your day-to-day or, or in your work or, or after you left that, that made you think maybe it was right to explore something different? For me, it was repetition. So I started to find that I'm doing the same thing. So, you know, it's agree the budget. It's figure out what the strategy plan is. It's hire, fire, and develop key roles on the team. It's go visit all the sites and do town halls at different locations around the world. And that just felt like it was becoming a bit repetitive. So the travel and the time away definitely was was a factor. That had been part of my life all the way through. And I felt like maybe it's time to change that a little bit. But I think the main driver was, this is becoming repetitive. Am I learning anything? There's other things that I want to do. I don't have any time to do any of them. Can I actually make time to do some of these things? What could I do that would that would be different than what I'm doing today that would allow me to do some of these other things? So my kids were heading off to university. So that, you know, a, a lot of things came together at once, I guess, that made me think it was time to uh, to try something different. I like to hear your phrase there about learning. I think learning, for me at least, and I think for many people, is a is a really powerful motivator and, and contributor to our overall subjective well-being. The ability to learn is great. And when it goes, it's, it's hard. People talk about that, you know, the difficulty of a steep learning curve and all the strain with that. But when the learning curve isn't steep, we sort of diminish, I, I think, a little bit in ourselves and, and in the way that we experience things. When I speak to people who are in some of these more senior roles, when we're being candid, we sometimes talk about the two sides of things like this. And, and we talk about the going from... And we talk about the, the going to, so that's sort of changey speak, if you will. But how much of that balance do you think was there for you between leaving something that was maybe feeling less fulfilling and being drawn to something that was attractive to you? And, and is there is there something that matters in that? For me, I was, I was definitely being drawn mm-hmm. and then getting a little extra push kind of pushed me out into that that world where it's okay I have to make a decision to stay in industry stay in the corporate world find myself another role double down on where I am which that's kind of easy option one it's a bit defaulty isn't it a bit stuff, defaulty yeah. Yeah. keep doing what you've been doing do it somewhere else do it for someone else mm-hmm. or go towards some of these other ideas so coach tech entrepreneur be a solopreneur, if you like, or at least think of yourself as a solopreneur. And in that, feel like you control your own time. You control your own, what am I going to do this week? Because you don't in, in corporate world. You might think that you do, but you don't. Yeah, you're, you're such a stakeholder manager. You've got so many other people. But that really speaks to autonomy and, and the power of autonomy as a tool for job satisfaction and managing our demands. And and I had a lot of autonomy in, in my roles. I never, uh, most of the time my boss was on a different continent. I found I always performed better when my boss was, you know, whoever whoever they were was generally at least a six hour time difference away. That seemed to, Preferably 12, I think. <laughs> that seemed to work really well. But, you know, in, in that corporate role, you take, you know, you make your own autonomy basically. You know, in in these roles, you have the space, decide what you want to do and where you want to go, but you do have to go somewhere. You don't get just sit in the office. So that's probably what was most different around it. Yeah. And 
So you're at this stage, you were kind of, um, like you said, uh, helped into this situation. And just as a real side conversation, in one of my old roles, I used to fundamentally be part of a team that would go around and close down countries. Yay, what fun. So I did that for, for a little bit to the extent that when I turned up in a country to speak to people, they were like, ah, okay, well, that's what's happening. But what I found is that, and maybe this is a biased memory, a huge number of the people that I spoke to that ended up leaving through a redundancy process in those those years in a year or two, expressed satisfaction and pleasure at having had that opportunity to, to make a change. So I've got a real mixed relationship with that. But certainly the, the stories that I remember, we've had people who retrained as a private investigator, opened a kitchen shop, moved to a different country, all these lovely stories that, that I remember. Something in that and that space and that opportunity to do that that comes with a bit of a push. But when you were in that moment, you'd been pushed, you'd been worried a little bit about or thinking a little bit about changing, thinking a little bit about going from, thinking a little bit about going to. But in those moments, what what were you thinking about? What were some of the the concerns and and things that you were balancing when deciding to pursue hidden tracks and to pursue your your role as a coach? I think you start off, I mean, you you start off very positively, you're drawn towards it. And then, you know, it's a different world. So you start to discover quite quickly how challenged it's going to be and how difficult these things are. And it's, you know, obviously going to require a a bunch of hard work. You don't know much about the marketplace. So every day you're trying to, you know, figure out how it operates. And, you know, you, you find out more and more stuff and it fills the picture in. Usually for me, it, you know, becomes your, your optimism starts to wane a little bit as you start to see what's going on. But then, you know, the, the pandemic happened right around that time. And that was probably the biggest challenge. So, you know, with that big shock, um, instability, you know, the, the, you know, the first reaction was, you know, kind of flight to safety. Well, let's just go back to the corporate world and let's, uh, you know, I can make a living there. I can make that work. So, so I had a few of those conversations, but really, how did you feel like when you went into one of those conversations about going back to that world? What was really you? conflicted? Yeah, okay, super conflicted. What and was like, drawing you back, and what was? I mean, the security was what was drawing me, which you know, in some ways, is a little ridiculous, but because you know you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But it's just that security, and also maybe a little bit about value. So when you're a solo entrepreneur, mm-hmm. the value that you're you're doing it for you. Yeah, leading a business. You know, the last business I led. 4,000 people around the world, you felt like, well, I can make a difference for yeah, a bunch yeah, of people. Yeah. It's significant, isn't it? You can have an impact and have all those lovely sort of egoish massages, but also yeah. make a difference, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Status is a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. As when you're on your own, that, that changes a little bit. Yeah. So. But I doubled down, stuck it out in the coaching mm. world. Pandemic had uh, pretty much a terminal effect on our Hidden Tracks yeah, project. Makes sense, yeah. Which in a way allowed me to, to really focus my time into yeah. the coaching leadership development um, and a little bit of strategy consulting space. When you were talking there about the direction that you wanted to go in this moment of transition, you seemed fairly clear on, on those two paths and, and you talked a little bit about them. What was it that drew you to them? How how did you get a sense that maybe these were things that would give you satisfaction in a future role or or meet your needs? How do you understand what you felt like your needs were and try and find something that would map up with that for you? I mean, the coaching one, I'd experienced some great coaching from, I'll give a little shout out to Wendell. Yeah, Wendell's a great guy. Yeah, Great guy. Not only Wendell, but a few other coaches along the way. And I felt like it makes such a difference. I felt like 
that's something I want to do. So I was really drawn by the, you know, the feeling of I can continue to make a difference. And, you know, I have a perspective because I understand the business side. So I'm coming at this from a business perspective, not as a psychologist. I'm not going to pretend to be a, a psychologist in the room. I'm a business guy that understands a bit about leadership and how the businesses work and what are some of those challenges that come up again and again. And I felt like that's something that can be of value to people as they're progressing through their careers. And I like spending that time. It, it makes me feel good supporting people and seeing them be successful. So that was the, that, I think that was the main, the main driver. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I was chatting to somebody a couple of weeks ago who was still in a role, is still in a role. And they were talking similarly to you about some of these things, but they were thinking about making this leap out themselves. Um, and they were, the words they used, I think, were performance and purpose. And they've been in senior roles for decades and they're good at performing. And I guess that, or achieving performance, achieving these things, similar to, to what you said, you talked about that annual cycle of strategy and you know your financial forecasting and managing people in and out and all that stuff and then they can do that now um and they said they were, were less interested now in performance and more interested now in purpose and trying to find that space and it seemed that when you were speaking it seemed some of the, the notes i made were using what you've learned using that knowledge using those skills and sort of giving of them to support others through that that feels like from what you said there's a little bit of motivation in there for you for that helping motive or that, that sort of giving back motive? Definitely. The other piece there was this kind of realization, what had made me a, a successful leader and creator of teams and mm -hmm. being able to deploy and motivate and, and actually make things happen was this kind of inclusive lens to leadership that I'd yeah. had without recognizing that, without putting that name on it. We didn't yeah. call it that. We called it collaboration. We called yeah. it team. We called it bringing all the voices into the room. We called it all those things. We didn't at that time specifically label it as inclusive leadership. And yeah. I think going through the some of the coach development work I did with a company down in London called Miller Campbell did a great job and I really enjoyed that development and that network that I became part of and, and access and, and leverage and learn from. That time allowed me to think, well, actually, what this was about, this was really about inclusive leadership. And I started thinking in 2019, 2018, actually, started really thinking about what is inclusive leadership? What does that mean? How do we think about it? What's leadership for the future versus leadership for the past? People that are coming up into senior roles look ahead of them. They see what's gone before them. And they, you know, the tendency is to emulate what was there. So let's emulate what worked. And I felt like, you know, that's not going to work when I look at the next 15 years. Yeah. So how do we take this inclusive leadership idea um, and start to think about how, how can we take that, how can I take that into the, the business world and, and make it something that uh, people, are, people are thinking about, people are talking about. And that really speaks to sort of a, a, a clear driver, a clear change that you want to affect on the world to some extent, or, or something that you're drawn towards doing to change the world around you. Obviously for everybody, in these situations, you know, in a, in a senior role, thinking of leaving or just outside thinking about what they won't necessarily all be drawn to that cause. How can, can people sort of explore or think about or maybe try and identify what that, to use a word I'm not sure is right, that sort of calling is or, or something that's drawing them in? How can people find space to work out what they are drawn to and motivated? I think it's, it is about creating some of that space. So mm -hmm. giving yourself a little time and trying different stuff. Um, so 
with the expectation that I'm, I'm trying this out to see what it feels like. Do I like it? Um, how does that work out? I, I think you really have to try. Don't think about it too much. Don't try and plot out all the steps because I think plotting out all the steps, you don't really know what's past step one or two because you don't know enough or about not point one sometimes yeah. for me, right? <laughs> Where am I going? Where are my glasses? <laughs> yeah. So I, I really think it's about jumping in and, and trying things. Minimize the risk as much. So, you know, don't invest tons of money. If there's a bit of the world that you're interested in or an industry that you're interested in, how do you get exposure to that? How do you how do you find out what it's like? How do you try before you buy or try before you commit? Um, that can be through training and meeting people and getting access to the industry. That could be taking a part-time job or a volunteer job or just getting involved in whatever it might be. That could be moving somewhere else in the world. You know, I always wanted to be somewhere else in the world. Well, you know, before you go buy a business in that world or that part of the world, why not go live there for three months and figure out, is this really where I want to be? So that would be my, you know, try before you buy or try before you commit and be willing to be willing to try three or four things and then say, what, you know, what did, what did that tell me? What did I really like? Could I see doing that in 10 years? Would I be happy if this is what it looks like in 10 years? That kind of stuff. There's um, some really interesting things in there, in my view, and, and I've scribbled down a few things. But one of the things that stands out to me is this sense of, emergence versus planning and, and structuring. And I think that's that's sometimes a hard thing for people to, to navigate. I know it's something I found difficult to do. My, I'm quite analytical and I'm quite a planner and I will map out a plan and do all that. And and there are benefits to that at times, but being able to, to be in that emergent space and, and sort of seeing what happens and trust yourself to respond as the world changes and things emerge, I think is, is really an interesting place to get to and a developmental place that, that I think helps people navigate this. Um, and being supported to do that. Yeah. So I think, you know, is your is your family situation, you know, are you able to do that? You know, I was, you know, I was fortunate, you know, Martha's, you know, she's, she's always been there and, and happy to go along and happy to explore beside me, happy to not come along for the ride because she's not coming along the ride, but just happy to, to be there and, and to see where it goes. Yeah. So. And I'm lucky to have a, a similar support that um, that does de-burden, de-risk, make these things more of an enjoyable um, process. As you were speaking, there was something else that, that you mentioned that I think came up in our last conversation as well that I think is interesting. And, and you talked about, again, some of my words a little bit about, about trying things, trialing things, a little bit about experimenting, a little bit about being open to newness and, and finding things within there. And the way I sort of think about things myself a little bit is I'm trying to navigate or find something or be creative. I need a variety of inputs to help me do that. I need to be fed by variety before I can navigate through a variety and and create something that, that feels good in there. And for me, a lot of that stuff can be very intersectional. It, it, it doesn't need to be deeply focused in one area to give me inspiration about a different area. So sometimes going to the museum and looking at some paintings, which I don't do all that often, but doing something like that can help me process a problem related to my business. Or going for a run and speaking to somebody about their childcare challenges could help me navigate some other part of my life. So I really think that ability to draw from different sections is helpful for me in in navigating. And I love that intersectional space as a way to learn and figure out what's right for me. What, what are your sort of reflections on 
finding stimulus in different sources as we navigate what's right for us. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's around connecting with people, I think is probably the biggest yeah. one. So it's showing, having an interesting conversation, being curious, not feeling like you're doing it for any specific reason, other than to learn, to understand a little bit more about what's going on in that part of the world, not having an agenda around, is this going to be a great contact? Uh, am I going to be able to sell something here? Work network. Or am I going to learn? Always you know? be closing, right? Like. <laughs> and to some extent, maybe that that's my tendency is the, the learn and explore side. And, and that could come at the cost of the commercial side sometimes because you, know, you, you could make the argument that you should be closing more often. But I'm taken by the, the bit around, I want to learn, I want to explore. What do I take from that? meet some interesting people, make some interesting connections, some that continue for years. I mean, you and I met five years ago. I remember I came to an event that you were hosting Mm -hmm. and I met a number of people through that. So I think those types of things, getting out there, having conversations, seeing who you connect with, being interested and finding the people that are willing to share. Maybe that's the other piece that's there. It's finding, as my kids would say, finding your people. So finding people that, you know, are your people. In other words, finding people that are that are open, they're willing to share, that you share some values, principles, ideas about something. In my case, that, that tends to be about kind of this inclusive leadership piece. But finding those and, and then having a conversation, what can we do about that? Where are the opportunities to work together without getting into where are the opportunities to, to make a bunch of money together? Or the commercial piece will happen. It's necessary. It definitely needs to be there. But I find that it, you, if you make that the start point, it tends to shut down a lot of the creativity. And I find you make that the second point or the third point, and it becomes a much more interesting discussion around how do we collaborate? Because I think that's the other point is collaboration in these in this world, in this development world, in this coach world, you know, as a solopreneur, you've got to collaborate. You know, this is a critical skill. So how do you do that? How do you connect, create that network? I think those are some of the pieces that are really important. And it feels to me like one needs to step into those spaces with the right mindset to, to use another sort of coachy phrase to do that, that space where you're yourself open to learning and and creating that sort of generative space where you have a conversation and see what comes up and, and there's something of interest in there that's values aligned for you. I think there's, there's something there. Um, and you talked about spending time with people who are willing to share, but I think there's also something about being willing to give into those spaces that to collaborate, it, it's about giving of ourselves to those spaces and those relationships and navigating towards that purpose. I, I'm quite a believer in the build it and they will come type of, of things for this. And I don't know if you've ever had this. I've had some stuff sometimes where I've got kind of locked into a piece of work we're doing here. And I just feel like, well, this is just going to happen. Like, I can't not do this. This is an inevitability. And like, even if I'm not doing it, somebody's going to have to do this. So it might as well be me doing this because it's going to happen. And and finding that little space of purpose feels wonderful when I'm there. But trying to find that for ourselves isn't, isn't always easy. What, what are your thoughts on that sort of giving back? I think you have to give. So I think that maybe links to the everything doesn't need to be commercial. There's some things that you want to do because you want to you want to do it. I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, what are your rates? How much do you charge? And You know, ridiculous question. I mean, it's a fair enough question, but I'm like, I charge anywhere between zero and a thousand. <laughs> the answer is like, it depends, right? <laughs> Who are you? Where are you? What is it? What do I want to do? Why do I care? Yeah, what's the need? And, yeah. and you know, so... But being willing, I remember I, on my, you know, when I first started, I had a, a little box on my website that said, you know, if you if you want some coaching, 
and you're not in a position where you feel like you can pay for it, you just send me an email and I'll, we'll mm-hmm. have a discussion. And I've only had two or three people actually tick that box, thankfully, maybe, I don't know. And this is not a get flooded by that. But the people that did connect me, we did, you know, six sessions together. It felt great. They got something out of it. I got something out of it. And they, you know, they've, they've gone on and we continue to, you know, we, we continue to, uh, to connect and do a little bit of work together. So I think you've got to be willing to do some of those things for a cause that aligns with you. Yeah. So. And more broadly, if you're, you're speaking to somebody, sometimes I get the sense that sometimes people aren't ready or haven't made that journey to step back from the immersion of really being in that doing and, and always involved in a role and, and getting stuff done and that active being in a senior role thing. People sometimes haven't found that space to find what's right for them. We, we talked about the, the, you know, the, the intersectional space, the thinking, the stimulus. Are there books people can read or are there specific activities that people might do that would help them? work on this? I mean, would you would you say sort of journaling is a helpful thing? Or we talked about exploring and trialing things to find that sort of cause of motivation. Should they reflect back through moments they've been happy? Should they ask other people what motivates them? Should they think through their values? Should they keep a journal of the moments that they were deeply in flow in their work? Should they read newspapers and circle this is something I care about. This is something I don't care about. Are there? I think the short answer is yes, but it's got to be what works for them. So whatever works for you. What worked for me or what works for me is listening to stuff. So podcasts, audiobooks, that's what works for me. Writing, reading, never been my strong point as an engineer. That's what works for me. I think find out what works for you. Is it conversation? Is it journaling? Is it that little bit of time? And I think if you look at, if you see... And you, you hear a number of people that have been successful in various different worlds, where it's media, business. A common theme is that I see anyway, is that people make time for themselves. That can be 10 minutes a day, but they make time for themselves to think about what that is. And that's a journal, that's I'm going to take a run, that's whatever it might be. That is a common theme. If you don't allow for that, if you're just in the deliver, 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 deliver mode, so too busy to do anything, you know, you're the you're the proverbial hamster in the wheel. You're not going to get out. Yeah, you've got that tiger by the tail, and you're holding on, which is um, which is tricky. When senior people step away from a role and go into something new, there's the removal of all those embedded status, importance, calls on our times salary, all those sort of social societal cues that make us feel successful can be pulled away when we we step out and we're suddenly on our own. I think that we make that journey, but many of our peers, the people we know around us, are probably still from those old old world situations and and still in those those powers of social importance and stuff. And then suddenly we're in, in a vulnerable place of being something different. I think that can feel a little bit strange. How do you think about How do you hold on to that value of self in that space? And, and how do you navigate healthily through that without feeling like you're overwhelmed by that change? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an uncomfortable place. It's just a question of how long do you stay in that zone? And then which way do you go? Do you go forwards mm-hmm. or do you go backwards? So I certainly, my experience, yeah, I mean, for six months, 12 months, the feelings of doubt, feelings of, you know, this this is this is uncomfortable feelings of some not so much loss of status, but loss of 
importance to some, I mm-hmm. guess, which may be the same thing. But everyone goes through that to some degree or another and recognizing that there is going to be some discomfort. So what do you do to get to the other side? In other words, what do you do to get to wherever it is you want to go, whether that's a new, new role, new career change, or or to prevent falling back to, okay, I like all that stuff, so I'm going to go back there because that felt great. Because then you're stuck in the wheel. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what you do. It's good support. Yeah. Talk to people. I think if you sit you know, on your own and think about it, it's not a great position. Dreadful, yeah, in. yeah. One of my favorite podcasters talks about stewing in your own soup and you can just stew in that soup of uncertainty and that's not the place to be. Not the place to be. One of the things I found is that as I've engaged in a community of people who are interested in a similar sort of purposes that I do, I, I, I get sort of some of that social validation in, in that space and, and I enjoy that, which is... Which I, yeah. makes me feel good. I, I would agree with that. I think, and again, the the kind of coaching community that I've become part of, uh, some of my clients, that is where it comes from, for sure. And letting people know what it is that you care about, because then they can, you know, they, they understand a little bit more about where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, so if you're willing to share some of that stuff, I think that helps a yeah. lot. That openness and that vulnerability. I'm going to start to, to wrap us up in the interest. If there was somebody at this early stage, maybe somebody's got some of those niggles that are like, oh, this isn't quite right. It's time for something different. I'm going to have to think about it. What advice would you have for them? How would you help them at that point to start this journey well? I would encourage them to kind of look forward a little bit and maybe write down, where am I today? And think about, okay, what do I want life to look like in five years' time? What are the five most important things that I want to have. Is that about time? Is that about experience? Is that about money? Is that about, you know, what is it that you want? So I would start from that perspective. I would write those five things down and then I would encourage them to start thinking about what their options are and how do their options uh, match up with where they want to be. And I think five years is a good time because it's far enough away that uh, still be a little bit aspirational. Yeah, we can aim big or aim bigger in that space. So I think that would be my, you know, that's the first step. And then once you get it down to two or three things, go experiment, go play around. Even before you've left, um, you know, go find a way to get involved in something so that you can understand a little bit more and color in the picture. And don't put all your bets on, uh, on one thing. Try some different stuff. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here. Just to, to close out, how can people learn a little bit more about you and what you do? So yeah, you can find me at uh, samsas.1 or uh, John A.D. Maxwell on LinkedIn and happy to have a chat with anyone that would like to have a chat. Brilliant. It's wonderful to chat again. John, thank you very much. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that everyone can attend. You can sign up for these and our newsletter, The Wow Mail, on our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io.